December 19th. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will come from the book of Revelation, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11, where we will read about the voice of the thunders. We do not know what the angel shouted or what the seven thunders uttered. God has given sufficient truth in His Word for salvation and godly living. So we must not crave to know the hidden things. The purpose of Scripture is to save sinners and sanctify character, not satisfy curiosity. We'll read about the voice of the angels. The angel said, There will be delay no longer. What joy the statement will bring to the martyrs and others who ask how long. God has His times and will accomplish His purposes on schedule. Our responsibility is to be faithful and not inquisitive. We'll read about the voice of the Apostle. God still needed John to declare his message to the people. No angel could take his place. But to share God's message, we must take the Word, receive it inwardly like food, and let it become part of us. The Word is sweet when you read it, but bitter when it goes deeper and you digest it. And now, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. December 19th, Revelation chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Then I, John, saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face shone like the sun, and his feet were like pillars of fire, and in his hand was a small scroll, which he had unrolled. He stood with his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land. And he gave a great shout, like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the seven thunders answered. When the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. But a voice from heaven called to me, Keep secret what the seven thunders said. Do not write it down. Then the mighty angel standing on the sea and on the land lifted his right hand to heaven, and he swore an oath in the name of the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and everything in it, the earth and everything in it, and the sea and everything in it. He said, God will wait no longer. But when the seventh angel blows his trumpet, God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. It will happen just as He announced it to His servants the prophets. Then the voice from heaven called to me again, Go and take the unrolled scroll from the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I approached him and asked him to give me the little scroll. Yes, take it and eat it, he said. At first it will taste like honey. But when you swallow it, it will make your stomach sour. So I took the little scroll from the hands of the angel, and I ate it. It was sweet in my mouth, but it made my stomach sour. Then he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Do you still believe that about yourself? Do you wake up in the morning thinking about how God designed you 
for a task. And he knew that before he even made you. And he goes on, he says, then, so, so what do you think Jeremiah's response would be? I mean, wouldn't you think Jeremiah just heard from God and said, you know, I made you for a purpose, you're going to be this prophet. You would think Jeremiah would go, wow, God spoke, he made me for this, he thought through how he made me, I was declared to be a prophet. But his response was, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. He says, I, I can't talk, I'm just a kid. Isn't that crazy? How God Almighty tells you, look, I made you for this. I declared this. I am God. I designed you for this. Before you came out of your mother's womb, I said you would accomplish this. And his response is, I don't think I can do it. That's pretty typical, isn't it? Doesn't that sound like us? Because some of you right now in your heads, in your minds, you're going, yeah, that's right. No, I do believe that God made me. I do believe that that this was for a purpose. I do know that there's a purpose for me on the earth because God doesn't mess up. And you'll know that, yet you'll walk out these doors and you'll start looking at all the things wrong with yourself. Well, I'm not as smart as this guy. I can't sing like her. I can't lead worship like I can't teach like him. I can't. You, you know, you just start looking at all these things and that's exactly what he says. And God's answer is... Do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God's response is, don't say you're just a youth. It's the same thing. Remember when, when he called Moses? And what was Moses' response? Uh, He starts stuttering. He goes, "I, I can't speak. I can't speak. I can't do it. And remember God's response to Moses. Do you remember what he says? He looks at Moses and he says, Who made your mouth? I love that. Don't miss that. See, because a lot of times when we put ourselves down, like, oh, my brain doesn't work real well. Well, my mouth doesn't really work well. I don't have a very good voice. I don't think... Okay, you're not being humble at that moment. When you, when you degrade yourself and talk about all the things you can't do. You would be humble if you created yourself. But since you didn't create yourself, and someone else made you, when you say your mouth doesn't work right... Who are you putting down? You're not putting yourself down. You're putting the Creator down. Saying, God, you screwed up when you made my mouth because it stutters. God says, wait, who made your mouth? Are you saying I made a mistake? Are you saying I failed when I made your brain that doesn't work just right? But to take all of those insecurities and say, no, God, you made me. I'm fearfully, I'm wonderfully made. And so I'm going to accomplish whatever you've created me to do. I tell you, this passage gave me so much confidence. He says, you can go. You can say everything you need to say to whoever you need to say it to. In fact, you go out in faith and the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. God says, I'll feed you the words. I'll take care of it. when, When I set something in motion, it doesn't stop. And and, and if that doesn't work, later on in in that same passage, God says to them in, in verse 17, he says, but you dress yourself for work. And arise to say to them everything I commanded you. Do not be terrified by them, lest I terrify you before them. I love that verse. He says, if you're going to be afraid of them, he goes, I'll give you something to be afraid of. Okay? So, at that point, he doesn't really have a choice. 
And he just says, Jeremiah, you just go, because I made you for this. I'm going to give you the words to say this, and there's no backing down. Don't be afraid of them. And then at the end, in verse 18, he says, I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They'll fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. He says to Jeremiah, everyone's going to be against you, but don't worry about it. He says, look, the kings are going to hate you. That's the, the, the authorities, the, the, the kings of Judah, it's officials, it's priests. He goes, the city officials, they'll, they'll all be against you. The priests, the other religious leaders, all the other pastors, they'll be against you. And then he goes, and the people, just in case I left anyone out. They're all going to be against you. He goes, but don't be afraid because I'm with you. And I always look at that pastor and go, God, could I do that? Could I do that? Could, I, could you really drop me in a city where everyone was against me? And I'd go, go ahead. My God's with me. To have this God and I mentality, to stand alone and say, you know what? The Lord's with me. He made me for this. He has filled me with his spirit to accomplish this. And so you can all be against me because my God is with me. To have that type of security and assurance. Hey, everybody. This is Seth Johnson uh, down here in Vinton County at the farm. I'm sitting here with a few of my brothers that I've had the absolute pleasure of getting to know and just wanted to take a few moments to to give back and and reflect on some of the things that uh, have really transpired in my life since I've been here. You know, when I came here, I came off the uh, the tail end of a relapse, and um, that was from trying different things, essentially to avoid truly letting God in my life. Um, I had tried drug court, um I'd been through the 12 steps. I had uh, tried different support groups, but uh, deep down there was this deficit that I had that really I just, I continued to run from myself. And uh, it wasn't until my father started talking to me about the refuge and, you know, that's when I was just finally like, man, I, I just got nothing left. And no matter where I was at, I was just, my heart would break constantly no matter what situation I was in. And it wasn't until somebody had revealed to me and he said, your spirit's craving something that this world can't offer, that uh, the seed started to get planted and there was a little bit of hope. Then when I came to the farm, um, I'll never forget walking the trail for PT and uh, just sharing deep down pain with a complete stranger at the time. And no sooner did the words leave my mouth did I know like there's something different about this place. Because it was something that I had completely forgotten that I was even battling with, and the healing had begun. From there, I had been blessed with a devotional, and it started out with a verse that said, Behold, I make all things new. And that spoke to me so deeply, because for the longest time, I felt like I was so far beyond repair. And then when I read that, I was like, you know, I'm a part of all things. There's no room for error in that. That means no matter how far I've fallen, that I can get back up with the help of God. As I continued to walk out through the farm, I was strengthened, and the foundation was starting to be uh, to be laid firmly in place. And going up to second phase, I um, I was given the opportunity for further healing and development. My first phone call, my father told me, he said, "Your experience has healed an entire family." And just hearing those words continued to give me something to hope for, to find a deeper purpose. And as I continued. 
I, um, I had to deal with, with some friends that I lost to overdoses, which was extremely hard. And it was it's something that I, that I would never want to do again, but I would also never take back. And I remember writing one letter in particular. It was really windy out. And it said, Travis, I wish that you could feel the wind stir your spirit. And before we set it off, I remember reading that letter aloud and right at that same line that was talking about the wind, the wind spiraled around myself and my coordinator at the time, Sean, and it stopped. And it was like the spirit was just moving through that moment. And uh, I finished out phase two strong, uh, literally felt like something had just been lifted off my shoulders. And then phase three came, and uh, that was when I really started to experience adversity, but not so much in the ministry, but with things that were happening with my family. My little brother had relapsed. Uh, I lost my grandmother. Uh, my health uh, was repeatedly failing um, with, you know, just different things going on with that. And every time I thought I had an opportunity to find my daughter, it seemed like the door was closed. So I remember sitting down with a brother and uh, sharing with him, saying, I feel like my faith's going to break. And uh, my encouragement is if I had not invested the time that I had with building that foundation with God and laying the bricks down, it, it's possible that I could, have, um, I could have been broken beneath the weight of that. But God carried me through because I learned how to rely on his strength and not mine. So I made it through that and uh, honestly understood for the first time what it means to have God call upon you. When I get up in the morning and I pray, God, give me the strength to die to myself and pick up my cross and follow you. That was one of those moments where I feel like God was saying, okay, I want to see how faithful you are. I want to see if everything that you've been saying to me has been lip service. And uh, I'm so blessed uh, to have not caved in that, that pivotal moment and to have awesome brothers that I could lean on and shed tears with and just know that absolutely I was never alone. And then coming up to fourth phase, I was just continuing to... Uh, to build uh, relationships and, and dive deeper in my faith. And I was uh, presented with the, the wonderful opportunity to come back down to the farm and, and start to coordinate and, and, and guide the men in the direction that they need. And uh, I'm so blessed to be a part of this process. And I was selfish for so long in my life. And to be able to have the opportunity to serve and, and to literally see miracles being born every day in front of my very eyes, words would fail me. So... My encouragement to those that are here is uh, to strengthen your, your tired arms and your weakened knees and mark out a straight path for your feet. You're not alone and continue to lean on your brothers in God. Amen. Psalm 138, verses 1 through 8. Walking in the midst of trouble did not hinder the psalmist's worship. If anything... It helped him to pray and to praise the Lord even more. David could not go to the temple, so he worshipped toward the temple, and God helped him. His troubles did not hinder his witness. David may have been among the Gentiles when he wrote this psalm, but he was careful to share the word and instruct them on singing God's praises. Trouble can be God's way to open doors for you to share the gospel. His troubles did not hinder his walk. God revived David and enabled him to defeat his foes. Best of all, God perfected his plan for David and made him a better man. 
You may think that your troubles give you an excuse to stop living for the Lord, or even an excuse to sin. This psalm says that just the opposite is true. Psalm 138, verses 1 through 8, a psalm of David. I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I will give thanks to your name, for your unfailing love and faithfulness, because your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. When I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me the strength I need. Every king in all the earth will give you thanks, O Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, He cares for the humble, but He keeps His distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will preserve me against the anger of my enemies. You will clench your fist against my angry enemies. Your power will save me. The Lord will work out His plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 11 through 14. Some people curse their father and do not thank their mother. They feel pure, but they are filthy and unwashed. They are proud beyond description and disdainful. They devour the poor with teeth as sharp as swords or knives. They destroy the needy from the face of the earth.